Hello and welcome to the Noise Creators Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and today I am here with Scott from Polyphia. Polyphia is a really, really rad band, and if you haven't checked in with them for a long time, you don't even know what they're doing, because this band is always evolving. So, that's what we talk about on this episode, is their evolution, and where they've been going with their sound, and lots of really cool ideas on how they shape it. This one's really fun, I should say, too. We have a great chat where we laugh a lot, and in general is just a good old time, so I am really psyched on this. I also want you to, of course, check out my new podcast, Inside the Album. Atlantic Records gave me unprecedented access to go totally deep and talk about things that have never been talked about, so you can learn how one of the biggest labels in the entire world makes records and does things and obtains a level of quality that you too can learn how to do if you just pay attention. Okay, done with that. Remember, if you like this conversation, you'll love my book, Processing Creativity, and here's the podcast. Hello, my name is Jesse Cannon, and I've devoted my life to trying to go deep and figure out what goes into making great albums. In the past, I've been lucky enough to make great records with bands like The Cure, Animal Collective, The Misfits, and over a thousand others. I've written two books and recorded hundreds of podcasts pursuing the hidden secrets of how great music gets to the world's ears. Now I'm proud to present to you Atlantic Records' Inside the Album podcast. Atlantic has granted me unprecedented access to the artists, producers, managers, and A&R to discuss what goes into really making the great records they release. On this season, we talked to Dashboard Confessional about making a record that pleases both himself and fans both old and new. I like old stuff better, and I like moments and songs from our later era of recording. But as a whole body of work, I like everything up through half of Dusk and Summer. Jeff Richmond and the creators of the hit play Mean Girls talk about what goes into developing a mega-hit Broadway play and cast recording. Trying to find out what is that song that you actually want to like sit down and write is tricky and is a challenge because there's not that much real estate for songs, even though it's a musical. Vance Joy talks creating a follow-up to a successful debut album. And I'm more like eating my lunch before breakfast, kind of like getting too far ahead before I'm like focusing on just this one detail of what am I doing making a song. Pete Wentz of Fall Out Boy talks mentoring nothing nowhere. But first you find out if you like someone's art. If you do and that's interesting to you, you find out what their basic mission statement as an artist is. And then you see if you can align with that vision. And we also talked to Grandson about crafting his highly politically charged debut EP. The indie rock band wallows on making a record that sounds like the loss of youth. Jason Mraz on finding a greater truth in music for his latest LP, No. And Brent Cobb on making honest music. Subscribe now and stay tuned for the deepest inside look you will get into how great records are being made today. You can also head to AtlanticPodcast.com for more information on this podcast and Atlantic Records. What do you tell people you do if they're like a total normie and don't get music at all? How do you explain to people what you do? A total normie. First off, I stopped telling people, quote, I'm in a band like years ago because I found out people give me a different reaction than when I tell them that I am a musician. They're like, oh, in a band. So uh, you're 25 and you're, you know, playing in your mom's garage or something. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> Not anymore, actually, but <laughs> I usually just tell people, yeah, I'm a musician. 
that I like travel and play music and shit. They're like, oh, cool. Where have you gone? And I'm just like, oh, you know, like all over the US, Japan. And they're like, whoa, Japan. So that's kind of usually what I tell people to uh, make them not think that I am a loser, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's the sad thing is in this day and age is um, when we talk about our careers in music, it's a lot oftentimes alleviating people's fears that you're not uh, some neck bearded loser living in your mom's basement. Yeah, pretty much. Talk to me a little bit about, like, obviously you guys are a band that, like, you can kind of hear a hypothesis of, like, that you're like, oh, this band does this type of thing. Was there an idea? How did it come to being that you guys got the sound that you do? It took us a while to get to the sound that we have now. Uh, we started out kind of just doing the whole, like, gent trends type of thing because we thought it was cool. We, we just did that, and we were like, you know what? This is badass. Let's kind of mess around with this. And then after that, we were kind of just like, you know what? We're not really writing songs doing this. We kind of want to do songs. Pretty much always just been like, let's just do what we think is cool. Tim and I listen to a lot of hip-hop and rap and stuff, and so does Clay. And we were kind of just like, you know what? Let's... See if we can put them together. Lit, after we did Renaissance, we had light on that record, and then we remixed it and did Lit, which was kind of like our way of messing with the whole, oh, we're going to do like electronic crap in a song. We didn't really do it right. What do you mean by that? We didn't do it very well. <laughs> needed a lot of help with it. And we had one of our buddies who lives in Canada, Dallas Bricker, help us out with it a lot. So what type of help did he need to give you guys? Uh, just production help and stuff. Like we sent him a, a track and like some stems and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, cool, because he does some stuff too, like production wise. And he kind of helped us out with figuring out what to do. But he, he helped us out a lot. So... That was kind of like, okay, now we can do this. So let's try to do everything on the most hated now, which we were like, shit, we have no idea how to like write a hip hop beat that is actually good. That's when we found Y2K. Actually, it started with Lil Aaron on Twitter. He like he tweeted us. And he was like, yo, y'all are cool. And we looked this dude up and we were like, oh shit. And you know, like the first song we saw was on SoundCloud. He had a song with I Love McConan. So we were like, whoa, what the fuck. We found Ari through him and we flew out to LA to work with him. That's when he wrote the beat to uh, what is now known as Loud. Pretty much after that, we were like, holy shit, this works. Like we can do this. It doesn't suck. Like we can put guitars on hip hop beats and it actually works. That was kind of the whole development of how we got into the sound we're doing now. And now we tried to put everything we do translated into instruments. Like there's a whole lot of electronic drums that the real drums aren't doing anything on the most hated. And we didn't want to do that with this record. We kind of wanted to make everything have like a spot. Was there mistakes you were making that you could tell you about that? Like that you were like, oh, when we tried to do this, this didn't work. When we did this, we realized that's what works. Like, was there things you discovered that you could talk about that like helped you lead to that sound? There isn't really a whole lot other than just songs that we didn't put out because they weren't good enough. Everything that you hear on The Most Hated are the first things that we did experimenting with all this stuff. There's like one song that we didn't use that we ended up putting on the new one, the new record, New Levels, New Devils. Other than that, it, it was all pretty like, obviously there was like more of a time crunch kind of thing going on too with that. Like, okay, we need to put this shit out. We don't really have 
the luxury of let's stop and like write 10 songs and pick five mm. or whatever or six for that ep but there was a lot of things that we tried that we didn't really put on the record or the ep or anything but it wasn't like an entire transitional phase like lit was the transitional phase into the most hated and new levels new devils like that was the song that we were like okay let's mess around with it but there's not too much that we write that doesn't get released eventually so i can't really think of something like oh like we had this entire like phase of we were doing this for a while and it didn't work because we kind of just do shit and it works i guess so to speak reacting to it and finding how to make it work yeah pretty much I think there's like five different versions of Goat before it was like, it's funny because I was actually just looking at all these the other day because I'm looking for the, the one that we use and I'm like, shit, I don't I know which one is which because there's like five or six different ones and opening them and I'm listening to them and I'm remembering, oh shit, I forgot we even tried to do this with Goat. I wrote this beat to Goat that we didn't end up using that I wanted to use. We tried to like slow the song down at the end of it where the, uh, the little bells come back in and we slowed it down the tempo and it like pitched it and everything so it was like a slow down into this beat and tim and i i just remember listening to that back with tim like i had the idea and he was like yeah yeah yeah, that could work and we did it and listened to it and we were, we were both kind of just like maybe not <laughs> let's do something else or just end it so i mean yeah there's plenty of stuff that goes into like the production that doesn't happen so while we talk about the actual production, how does a song usually come into being? Is it, are you guys doing a lot of the process where it's like one of you is just sitting down in front of a computer for a while, then you bring it to somebody else? Like, t- tell me how a song usually happens. You know, everything starts with an idea. That's all it takes. I have sent Tim like 30 second clips of a beat that I wrote and we've turned it into like full three minute, 30 second songs. You know, like all it takes is for one of us to send the other something up until you can't do anything onto it anymore. Okay, with Goat, actually, again, he wrote a beat and a riff to it. And then he sent it to me i think that was the for actually the first idea that we had of all the songs on the new record other than the stuff that we took from other things that we haven't used before and just you know rewrote them but goat was the first idea i was like okay this is going to be the first song on the new record here's this right to it and i took that and i wrote some riffs to it and we worked on structuring it and that one we had a lot of help with y2k and he kind of helped us figure out like okay like structurally this is what you should do which actually helped a lot because that was like the first real thing we were doing with like the hip-hop stuff and we were like shit now we need to figure out how to translate all this stuff to real instruments and make it sound cool that's kind of the process that we used for this record specifically but in the past it's usually just been me and tim i'll send him something he'll send me something back until we have a full song and so how about uh like recording wise like when you guys are putting in initial ideas is that usually what makes it to the final thing or are you later re-recording a lot of things in a studio what happens there we try to re-record as much stuff as we can uh obviously the drums are like a one time you know you go into the studio and you do the drums and that's what you get sometimes we end up changing shit like we have the files so we're like oh like we'll put this part here instead or take this part out you know that whole thing we retrack everything on guitar and bass we just do it at home like you know tim and i have our little studio things set up in our rooms set our shit up and we just do it i 
do everything with the Axe Effects and my laptop. Like, that's all I need. I can do it. I can engineer myself because that's just what we're used to. That's what we've been doing since we started, you know? Like, Sean always tries to get us to go. He's like, oh, yeah, we can get you in a studio and have you, like, track. And Tim and I are just like, I don't really like the sound of that (laughs) because we can do it at home, you know? Like, we just set our stuff up and we do it and that works for us. And sometimes the demos make it to the album Sometimes they don't. (laughs) Usually they're too crappy and we're like, okay, we have to redo this. But sometimes we can't recreate the way we played it, which is is funny to say because, you know, we play the songs live and stuff. But, you know, we get that that sound. It's just like demo white is kind of like, oh, this sounds fucking cool. We're going to keep this. And that's kind of how that whole deal works. Cool. And then how about like mixing? Are you guys mixing it yourself or is somebody else doing it? What happens there? No, not anymore. We're not good enough to mix our own stuff anymore. Well, we we never really were. Back in the day, we had to. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it that I have no idea about. We don't mix our own stuff anymore, and we certainly don't master our own stuff. Who did you guys use for this record? Eric Palmquist mixed this record. Chris Athens mastered it. We love Chris Athens. Uh, We used him with the most hated also and god damn he just made it sound so sick to the point to we were like man we gotta do it again. We gotta use him again. Eric Palmquist did an awesome job. He was cool enough to actually let us go to his studio and do it with him. So that was cool. Just kind of being there and being like hey this is what the level should be like. Before we went up there to kind of start things off we just did our own little mixes and said this is kind of what we want the levels to be like and it's funny because our mixes sucked like now i go back and listen to him now and open up the project files that we sent him and i'm just like how did he do what he did with what we sent him it's kind of funny but yeah eric palmquist mixed and then chris athens mastered and those two really made it sound fucking awesome the concluded last final thing sounds pretty sick in my opinion songs are sounding great that i heard so far so how about all these other collaborators you guys had i know you had the guys from sean mentioning y2k is it kuko so tell me about how that all happened i mean it's pretty much just like our friends on the record that we hit up and we're like yo you want to work you want to do some shit and they're just like yeah Kuko was an interesting one because he actually sent us a couple things that he wrote and we created a song over it that one was primarily just the three of us we had some help from ari a little bit ari is y2k it was primarily just me tim and kuko which is it's kind of cool because you know he sent us a couple tracks actually he sent us like four or five different ideas that he had and we ended up kind of mashing together two of them you can kind of hear when you listen to the song the new idea starts he sent us this one thing with like lyrics on it and we were like you know what that would actually be pretty cool to do if we had you know lyrics on a song and you know he's singing and all that stuff we've never done that before let's mess around with that so we kind of go back and forth like tag teaming the song with like singing and then like the guitars do their thing so that one was fun that one's one of my favorites on the album actually just because it's the most different out of all the stuff that we've ever done actually because we don't we haven't really ever messed with lyrics or singing or anything like that or had vocals on our one of our songs so this is new for us and it's it was fun. So what precipitated that you guys never went that way? Like, obviously, there's so many people who don't feel their band is complete unless there's a vocal on it. How did you guys get to that point? What made you want to change about that? 
Back in the day, we did have a vocalist. Actually, we had two vocalists. We started off just me, Tim. Tim and I were just like, you know, writing riffs with each other. And we're like, you know, we got to get signed to a label, blah, blah, blah. Do that whole thing. And I remember we sent some music over to uh, Sumerian Records. Mm -hmm. And they were like, cool stuff. Where's the vocalist? And we were like, that was the moment where Tim and I were, were like, ah, oh, shit, we better get a vocalist. We got a couple and it, it sucked and we didn't like it. And we were just like, it's not really working. So we just did our own thing. We were like, you know what? Fuck that. We're just going to we're just going to do our own thing. We don't need a label. So we did. And here we are. We never we never looked back because we were kind of just like in our little local scene earlier People liked the instrumental shit. You know, it was, it was different. It was refreshing. And we were like, this is back in the day where all we did was like shred. So we were just going on stage and just fucking playing our asses off. People would be like, damn, what the hell did I just hear? I got, I used to get a lot of shit or, you know, people talking to me where they're like, yeah, I was waiting for the vocalist to come in. They never came up. And I was like, yeah, we don't have one. <laughs> It was actually kind of funny. The, the day we realized that we could do instrumental music was the day that our vocalists at the time missed the set. They showed up for like the last two songs during our what was probably a 25 minute set. Like the crowd digged it and we were like, you know what? We can do this. So we, we kicked them out and then we just started doing the instrumental stuff. And then it kind of became like a contest with ourselves, I guess, so to speak, with like, how much shit can we get away with? That's when we started kind of like combining the genres and all that stuff. Like, oh, now we do hip hop with, uh, you know, hip hop beats over guitar and all that sort of thing. So I guess that's kind of like the backstory on on that whole deal. Nice. So let's talk a little bit more about the influence of all this. Like, was there anybody you guys looked to that you thought did the combination of hip hop and guitar well that was like really influential? Like, or was there any of like the hip hop stuff that you're like, you know, we can do this, but we can't do that? Like, can you talk to me a little about that? See, we just kind of do what whatever we want to do. With that being said, there isn't really like a prime influence that we have that does exactly what we do. Ari will write a beat and we'll put guitars over it. It's it's almost as simple as that. And then we kind of just make it work. Or like Tim and I will write a beat and we'll be like, okay, let's put guitars on this. And then like the little sub bass will be transposed to real bass later. And all the electronic drums will be, you know, transposed into real drums later. And Clay will do his thing on that and make it sound all dope and stuff. I guess as far as influences, obviously you've probably heard somewhere down the road, me and Tim say that we like Drake. We do. You know, people like The Weeknd, and shit like that Travis Scott they have like guitars on their songs they're not super good no offense to the artists who did the solos on their shit and stuff like that because you know it's actually kind of hard that they're not good you know that's the art of it they're just doing their thing up there or whatever and you know I think the weekend's actual live guitarist that he uses is fucking sick from what i can recall we hear that and we're just like oh man that's so not cool <laughs> to do i don't know like we want people to know that guitars don't have to not be good over hip-hop it doesn't have to be that way and obviously that's not like the message that we're trying to deliver but it can happen i mean we grew up playing like shred guitar music and stuff like that you know but, you know we've developed our sound into more like songy structurally good shit i guess i don't really know how to word it but 
Yeah, I don't know, man. We kind of just uh, do our own thing. But, you know, we hear shit like that and we're just like, we're not going to do it that way. We're just going to we're going to write dope ass guitar music and put dope ass beats underneath them. And that's kind of like the whole idea that we had. It's sounding successful. What is an influence that people would kind of be shocked by that you don't think people really hear in your music? I got to pull up my iTunes list for this one. I have the same problem when I get asked the same thing in interviews. I'm like, oh, God. And then I do this to other people. Yeah, I know. And you're legit about to hear me like list off artists alphabetically. Tim and I grew up listening to a lot of death metal and shit like that. So like bands like Job or Cowboy and like Waking the Cadaver and all that shit. Like anything from like sick, actual, like really technical death metal to just like bullshit ass, breakdowny, just like metal. I mean, we dig that shit. And like when I say we grew up listening to that shit, I'm talking like that was like high school when we started like playing music semi seriously anyway. What I actually grew up, grew up listening to, like as a wee ass lad, uh, my parents listened to a lot of Alice in Chains. They got me into them. The Eagles. That's no surprise, though, if you've watched any of our Instagram stories on tour. Clay and Clay like to blast the Eagles in the bus and fuck around. Oh, here's one. Justin Bieber. Which Bieber period? The new one. (laughs) I mean, you can't deny the dude writes dope shit and he's a sick singer like listening to that shit i'm like okay i i get it all these little girls who are always like i get it (laughs) there's some runs vocal runs that he does on that album i'm just like can't do that on guitar and he's doing it with his goddamn voice who else we got on here metallica pantera like that's kind of what i like was raised listening to but the first album that i ever really got into was songs about jane by maroon five oh wow yeah i listened to that album front to back i knew every word of that album i still you know when it comes on at like sephora or some shit and i'm like with my girlfriend at the mall or something like that i was gonna say um, how, much, how much time you spend at sephora dude <laughs> <laughs> you know a decent amount for an adult adult male but you know like uh the one where she's like and she will be left that one i know that whole goddamn <laughs> song and i sing it i sing it to my girlfriend in the store <laughs> like okay well we should leave now <laughs> But I know all the words. If it wasn't for that album, I'm not sure if I would be into music as much as I Wow. Now we got the surprise. Yeah. Like when I was in elementary school, well, not elementary. It was actually middle school. iPods were like coming out. It was like a, a big thing, like the iPod. I remember thinking to myself, why the hell would you want an iPod? What are you going to do with an iPod? Like you just put music on it. That's it. It's such a funny thing to think about now because it's like I'm a musician and stuff. I can't believe I used to think that way. But it was funny. I don't know. I didn't really like fuck with music. And then like my mom showed me Maroon 5. And then I think my dad got tired of hearing that fucking album. So he was like, come here, son. I want to show you something. And he showed me Ride the Lightning by Metallica. I listened to that was the new album that I memorized in its entirety. And I remember just playing Starcraft and my parents computer fucking listening to that entire album then you know he started getting me into pantera and all that good stuff and like alice in chains and like when i was a kid like he used to put on acdc in the car all the time which i didn't really like acdc too much which is kind of a weird thing to say because like you can't not like acdc that was the band that i was like oh yeah i'm cool because i don't like acdc or something like that (laughs) 
Yeah, to sum up, Maroon 5 is what started it all. And then Metallica is what really pushed me into like wanting to learn how to play guitar. And like Black Sabbath, my dad would show me like how to play songs on that. And then one day I wanted to learn a song and he was at work and I was a kid. And I was like, you know what? I could probably figure it out on my own because all they do is power chords anyway. And like the pentatonic scale, which I knew. So I was like, oh, this is totally easy. And that's kind of like, I'm, I'm totally delving off Feel free to stop me anytime, but I'm just like pushing into like this whole huge, long Scotty story of like where it all began. But that's kind of how it all started. Like listening to all that stuff. Those are the obscure bands that I, I listened to. That's perfect. So I know I will get the utmost complaints from my audience if I, if I don't do the question. Tell me some of the equipment aside from uh, the Axe effects that's really important to you guys. We don't really use anything else besides the Axe effect. Like if you, if you want to know how to get the tone and the sounds that you're going to hear on the new record and really every other record for that matter, buy yourself an Axe FX and open up a preset that you think sounds cool because that's really all we're doing. I'll tell you what we use live so I can give you more than just like, eh, it's the Axe FX. Live, we got a little orange dark terror thing, which I don't even know if you can buy anymore. I think you can get the tiny terror now, but we use the dark terrors. They're fucking sick actually they I, I have both of them they're fucking amazing yeah they're sick and we run that through an orange straight cab or you know we run the axe effects through that we kind of just use the head as like a power amp type of deal that's our power source and then we axe effects through that and live we use a little axe effects pedal board thing so we'll make the tones and shit like with those and just kind of like tweak them a little bit but it's mostly just presets man like everyone's always like or they used to ask anyway like holy shit how do you get that guitar tone it's a preset like you can go on fractal audio and download the presets or whatever like stock as fuck and just upload them and it's one of them i think we're using boutique one <laughs> right now it's like preset number 39 or something or i don't know that's what we're doing these days so that's the gear and then obviously ibanez guitars the new az's that they came out with this year are fucking sick every now and then i bust out the talman that's not true i mainly use the talman i love that fucking thing the az's are what we usually primarily use live because they're sick and reliable as fuck we have acoustic guitars, but we don't really have a lot of experience with setting up a microphone and like doing it at home. So until I can get all that figured out, probably won't hear anything acoustic on our record. We just clean tone it. We used to run direct a long time ago with the Axe FX, but after we realized that sounds thin and shitty and you need an amp and stage sound, we kind of stopped doing that. Cool. So that's all the questions I have. So now comes the really fun part where you do a whole bunch of self-promotion and tell everybody about what you have coming up. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Well, New Levels, New Devils, October 12th. That's the one, baby. <laughs> Pre-order that shit. Go to Merch Now. What is it? Polyphia.MerchNow.com. That's the one. You're going to find a bunch of really, really sick merch there and you should get it because we're gonna fucking run out of the vinyl and all that stuff and then you're gonna regret not getting the first press or second press of the vinyl i promise i even bought one <laughs> i probably could have just texted someone and said hey can can you send me one but no i i want i had to lock it down i bought one i went on the website put in my credit card information and i bought it i think tim did too he bought like a grinder or some shit we, we got grinders nice any tour to promote or anything like that thank you for reminding me australia 
in September, baby. And then we come back from that. October 7th, we got a headliner. New Levels, New Devils. We're playing so much shit that we've never played before. Even on the most hated. And, you know, like we're going to play all the bangers. It's pretty much just a set of bangers. And we're going to have never before heard shit going on that tour even stuff that's not on the record like we wrote some new stuff just for y'all you know those little things that bands do like oh like in a little intro that no one's ever heard we're doing one of those and it's gonna be badass so come to the tour october 7th through november 8th or something is when we're doing our headlining tour so you got a full month no excuses please come I love you. And then after that, we're going to Japan and doing the rest of Asia up until like December 15th. So yeah, it's going to be a fun tour season. We're going to a lot of sick ass places. I literally can't wait to see everybody. We've made so many friends on tour. I, I love talking to people and just chilling and sitting at the bar. Sometimes I'll just go to the bar and be like, let me see who I can talk to today. I'm going to see if I can talk to a dude or, or a chick and be like, yo, I'm new to the city. Can you show me around? <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode please remember the golden rule of the internet that if you enjoy something you got for free please tweet facebook share or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that please check out noise creators website and take a look around we have tons of interviews discographies spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service if you're unsure about who your band should work with we can help you get the best producer fit for your record to keep up with us follow at noise creators on twitter instagram soundcloud tumblr or facebook this podcast can be also be found wherever podcasts are found including itunes and stitcher I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going. 